Yo, yo, welcome, welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks. You can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram. We're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today. So thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks and I'm your host and you can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram and other platforms. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to this platform where we discuss things that implicate young adults in the millennial generation. So today I want to talk about a subject that has come to my attention lately of interest after reading Kerry Washington's memoir and I highly encourage you guys to check it out, Thicker Than Water. So Kerry Washington is a well-known actress in Hollywood who's been acting since I guess she said in the 90s was her first film. And I want to talk about what women want. And basically, I'm looking at it from their perspective. And hearing her story inspired me to talk about how women look at the world, at least from her perspective, which was very insightful. It's a very good book. And you can actually listen to it on Spotify or any of the podcast carriers. Okay, so Carrie Washington writes a book and talks about her childhood and how some of the problems that she had with her parents growing up tended to affect her going on in life, which is pretty common for everyone, but especially for young women. And I think there's an idea here about the relationship one has with their father as a young lady that is extremely important. And she goes into some of the details and the issues that she had with her dad coming up. You know, he was struggling to make ends meet. He's being chased down by the IRS and all these other issues, financial issues, which are a major cause of divorces for the most part. Him and his wife, Carrie's mom, were not getting along during these times, although you know, they fell in love in Queens, had their first date, I think she said at the beach in Queens, Far Rockaway or something. And money issues caused some of the stress in the relationship, which they tried to hide from Carrie as she was coming up. But it was evident that there was a lot of tension. And then finally, with the arguments in the house, they lived in the Bronx. She could tell that something was off. And furthermore, the dad would stay out late saying that he was networking and trying to build his business, which turned out to be uh, multiple failure. He didn't do well in his businesses, unfortunately. So he would go to the local bar and would put on this persona that Carrie says carried really well in Harlem and in all the places uptown that they used to hang out. But in the home, there was another side of him, especially when he came home and he was drunk, he would kind of act out. So she really describes it very well, how she felt. She was timid. She was scared, apprehensive, uh, pensive when he was walking towards the door. Like she says how her mom would give her this look, prepare yourself, brace yourself, dad's here. And at the same time, he wasn't necessarily a bad guy because she said that the next morning things would just go back to being the same. You know, he'd be a fun loving dad and all that stuff from last night was forgotten. He would sleep in late, all stuff, right? So what you have to understand about women, I think in respect to this vignette or example that she provides is that there's a need for a father to really play a security role with his wife first and with his children, especially his daughter second. So there's a notion that a woman is looking for security, comfortability, and for the most part, just all around a feeling of warmth that comes from the father that gives a confidence to go out into the world and appreciate what men are and what men bring to the table in a relationship, for example. I think the term that I would use is containment. 
And it's this notion that women need security. It's kind of like, I'm here with you. I'm supporting you. I got your back. You can depend on me when you call. It's a level of containment. And that's the best word that I can use. And security that often the male figure provides. And so Carrie talks about how it was intermittent, right? It wasn't necessarily consistent with her dad. And she goes on talking about how the effects of that played out with some of her relationships. And she developed some addictive behaviors, drinking, maybe smoking, illicit sex. Um, So she was doing all these things. And at the same time, you know, she was feeling precious being the only child to perform, to be a certain way in front of her parents. I think she does an excellent job of just describing her primal years and how she had to basically pass and just feign being a normal child. Yet in her head, she was just going through all these struggles and all this battles and inconsistencies in terms of I have a father and a mother in the house, but everything is not as kosher as it seems. Right. So I think there's a lesson here when you're approaching women, men who are millennials who are in the marrying age or dating age, you want to really get into understanding what their background is and having deep conversations about the relationship they've had with their dad and learning from those relationships, how it plays out in your relationship. So a woman who's gotten that containment and that security will be very comfortable with speaking up to a man and projecting very clear boundaries and, you know, expressing herself in a way that is not dismissive, just very vocal and thoughtful without being disrespectful. So for example, if the guy takes her drink from the fridge, right, she'll, she'll say something to the effect of like, Hey babe, you took my last drink. I was really looking forward to that drink. Is there any way that, you know, maybe you can grab me another one when you go to the store? And the guy who hears that is kind of softened by that approach, right? Because men, we want to help. We want to actually aid our ladies if they give us the opportunity. And our nature just wants to be supportive. You know, you'll walk up to a man anywhere in the world and just ask him for help as a woman. And he'll do whatever he can to kind of support you. Unless he's a perv, which obviously is another issue for another time. But for the most part, men want to kind of be responsive, be respectful, be helpful. That's our protective kind of instincts kick in. So in that situation, the guy would respond very amicably in my experience. On the contrary, if she came up and she was like, yo, bro, like you just you just drank the last juice of mine. Like, what is going on? Like, you keep doing this. Why do you keep doing that? Like, can you go get me another one right now? Because you know what? Don't even don't even bother about doing that. Like, forget it. Like, I'll just do it myself. The response that you will get from the guy in that situation is one of just disappointment and just rage underneath his veneer, because what's happening is his manhood is being challenged. You know, it's kind of like when a man is challenged, he goes into kind of the instinct of defense mode. And of course, he can't necessarily hit a woman or he shouldn't hit a woman, which some men who come from spurious backgrounds might do. His instinct is just to kind of like get away from the situation as soon as possible. And often a man will just log that in his mind as being, okay, this might be an issue. And possibly in the near future, if that continues on, he's going to have to call it quits. Now, again, these are more secure men. There's a host of men who might just hang in there and just take the abuse because there's growing research showing that a lot of men are being abused in their relationships and might not be reporting it. And there's a sense that these are men who are also broken, didn't have the best relationships with their dads or their mothers or both. So that's something that definitely needs to be talked about and considered. But for purposes of this conversation, I just want to stick to women and just harken back to the idea of women needing containment security. And I've seen this play out in myriad relationships. And I'll just give one example of, you know, when I was dating a girl early on in my early 20s and 
we would have issues. She would be very vocal in a very charming way and just express what she needed and how I could feel that that need. And I thought that was just fantastic how she communicated so well that I was just impressed by her ability to give me that respect at the same time, get what she wants. Because it's easier to just express something in a way that's prudent and respectful. And at the same time, you'll get that kind of result that you're looking for by doing that rather than trying to be aggressive. And that will kind of slow things down for you in the in the near term and possibly in the long run. Okay, so that's an example of a woman who I think was very great in terms of being communicative. Another woman would on random occasions just be like, how are you doing, my king? And, you know, just check on my welfare for no reason. And I, I just thought that was just such a well done kind of thing that she she just threw in there every once in a while. She would just check check on me and refer to me as her king. You, you take these things for granted because obviously I didn't end up with these women. And again, that's neither here nor there. But you take some of these things for granted until you find that it's it's not the norm. It's actually the exception with a lot of women. And you find women who are not very open or communicative in a way that's respectful and progressive. And in those instances, the relationship just tapers off, especially for somebody like me who having seen how women operate or should operate, having sisters, I think it's very clear for me what the expectation should be. And so going back to the story of Kerry Washington, later on in her life, she gets married, obviously, to Nandi Asamoah, the former footballer from the Oakland Raiders in 2013, who, by the way, would act in a movie that I really liked called Crown Heights. I think he also produced it. Good actor. He's done a few joints since then too, uh, Sylvie being one of them. So they get married and she mentions how at first she didn't want to be walked down the aisle by her father. She said that it was ridiculous. I think that was a term that she she used. She used a very strong word to kind of say that's not happening. Ultimately, she succumbed to him walking her down the aisle at least three quarters of the way. Then he turned and went and sat down while she continued on and stood next to Nandi for the rest of the event. So initially, she didn't like the idea of the handoff that the father hands off his daughter to the man who's going to take his place. This is a normal thing. This is how it should be and should always be. So I'm, I'm not expecting her to take Nandi's last name. And I'd be curious to know what the, the kids' names are. But if you come from a relationship that's kind of fractured with your dad as a woman, this is likely to happen. I think Carrie in her book has said that she's put in a lot of work and has actually gone through therapy sessions and really tried to dig deep in terms of what she perceives men to be and how she perceives how she presents herself to men. So she's done a lot of internal work and she lauds her husband. She speaks very well of Nandi, which I'm super stoked to hear. And it sounds like her relationship with her father. I'm not quite done with the book, but at this point, it sounds like they're in good shape. So kudos to her for actually doing the work to determine some of the things that would still make her a good wife, so to speak. Right. So I was going back to this idea of women and marriage and what women want. I think it's really important for the man of the house and the man who the man who step in if the dad's absent to really play an important role of understanding their daughter or the woman that they're raising and trying to give them a safe space. Ultimately, I think this idea of having a safe space is what's lacking with some of these situations. And if you can provide that safe space, it's not about money necessarily. It's just about making your child feel like they they are secure regardless of how things are playing out. And, you know, men have to step up. At the end of the day, it was men who were charged with the fall because it was given to us to kind of help contain and support our wives from whom were created from the side of our ribs. So the two have to kind of be congruent. But at the same time, there's the onus on the man to really put in the work to kind of raise the type of daughter he'd like to see grow up into a decent, respectable wife. OK, so another example I would propose here is this idea of the last name. OK, so historically, women have taken 
taken a man's last name. And this has been something that's been going on for a long time because from a biblical perspective, the two become one. And ideally the two, the woman's leaving at home and joining the father's home. As a result, she takes on his last name. Now, I was speaking to a lady not too long ago and she's married and she was basically saying how she's having problems with her in-laws because she refuses to take on the guy's last name. She keeps her maiden name and they've had conversations about this and she just won't do it. She's adamant. And she also mentioned the fact that she doesn't believe in, you know, these structures that Christianity has created and the dichotomy of man and woman. And she doesn't even wear her wedding band. She wears her engagement band. And again, the mother-in-law is livid about the situation. And so me and my colleague were there and we were just like, whoa, this is a tough situation for you, girl. So my colleague basically said that she took her husband's last name after asking if he'd be okay with having their two last names. Basically, he taking her last name and she taking his last name. He said no. And she was like, okay, that's the end of that. So what she did is she ended up keeping her maiden name and took his last name, not even hyphenated, just took his last name, which is cool. But asking the man to take the woman's last name is a tall order. I think Beyonce and Jay-Z tried to do that whole thing. And ultimately, I doubt that Jay-Z was going to be Knowles Carter. She's Beyonce Knowles. Carter. And so we see these things in in the real world and we witness them, but yet we push back because we just have our own ideas about the way things should be. And it's like, if it's worked for millennia, why would you try and quote unquote fix it? And the only thing that I can muster up as an answer is that pride and just these notions of independence and the postmodernism way of looking at the world since the 1960s and the French existential movements, the Foucaults and the Heideggers from Germany, these guys pushed an agenda that was so anti-Christian in terms of looking at the world, how family should be structured, for example. And so now we're seeing the fruits of that ideology. I mean, even second wave feminists didn't have this way of thinking. I mean, second wave feminists were very mainline, like we want our rights as women to be respected in the workplace, in society, but it wasn't to try and like usurp the role of men. They saw the value of men. Most of those feminists were married, right? So this idea, this postmodernism, super extra liberal way of looking at the world has seeped into our academic institutions, into social media for sure. But if you just stand back and look at all the leaders in society, all the black women who are CEOs for the most part are married. All the CEOs, men and women tend to be in these very secure households, you know, raising up good kids because the formula has worked. And I think it's imperative for us to go back and look at what's worked in the past. I'm not saying you should become a Christian if you think, if you don't believe in that theology. I mean, I would like for you to look into it a little bit more, but a lot of people have basically discarded any affiliation with Christianity. So that's not the purpose of this talk. I'm just saying that people need to look at what's worked. And if it turns out that your grandparents were Christian and they were married and your grandmother took your grandfather's last name and she seemed very content with life, they weren't millionaires, but they stayed married for 70 years until they passed. What is wrong with that formula in your context, living in the 21st century, doing much better economically than they were? And yet we're seeing the highest levels of depression, mental health issues. And so I just beckon and hope that our women would be able to kind of go back and just do the research and find out who are the women who are successful. They don't even have to be from Hollywood. Just look around your communities and it might be a few generations back because we're seeing so many broken homes right now and just try and emulate and just have conversations with them about best practices because what we're doing right now is not working. And at the end of the day, men are just kind of going with the flow because they just kind of don't have a play because if a woman says she wants to be independent, there's not much that a guy can do to change her mind, right? 
he's going to be a man. He's going to try and do manly things. But if she tries to usurp his position, it's just not going to work out. So a lot of men are just kind of standing on the sidelines and waiting for the right the right type of woman to come come along and jumping on that. I'm telling you, like many of the quality women are off the market in no time, no time. So it's not a lack of men who who um, can date these eligible spinsters and women who are raised by a father who gives them those values that would make them thrive in future. It's a lot of women coming from situations that were troubled and their childhood trauma is still unresolved. Unlike Carrie Washington's, which sounds like, except for the example that I cited, that it's resolved. She seems to be having a very robust relationship and marriage with a couple of kids. So I think we need to just give women the space to figure out what works and just keep showing them the relationships that are working. And women need to not necessarily just believe what they see in their immediate social milieu, but break out of your social class and groups and talk to other women. But there's not much in terms of mentorship among women. I think men do it much better than women do. Women might do it just more in a social thing, like my birthday is coming up, this or that, my sorority is doing this drive. But it's, it's not often that they're really talking about these issues of, hey, how are you doing with holding down your man? What are you doing to hold down your man? Like, why are you guys thriving? What are some of the things that you're doing that maybe I can learn and apply into my relationship? I honestly don't know if American women are doing this as much as they did in the past. And I won't break it down by race because I've done that in previous episodes you can check out. But ultimately, women are the backbone in terms of the social welfare of our society. And if we don't have strong women who are holding us down and holding the social fabric of society, then it's going to crumble because men need women to kind of stabilize them at the same time to keep them focused so they can go out and work hard and come home into a safe space, bring the bacon, so to speak, maybe some vegan bacon if we're trying to be healthy here. And their women would be just kind of like so happy and so respectful and so receiving of them that they would even do a better job. Bar none, this is the trend in all the people who are successful. They have stable families and stable marriages for the most part. If the first one doesn't work out, divorce, they'll go out and try and find a second wife and try and make that work out. Right. So just wrapping this podcast up, I just want to encourage our young listeners, millennials, men, as well as women to really go back and see what could be the cause of your inconsistency or the issues that you're seeing arising with your relationships and try and understand where you can fix those traumas, going to therapy, going to church, speaking to a pastor, speaking to a woman in society that's well respected outside of like the whole sorority, fraternity culture, just speak to somebody who's real, who's gone through life and who can break it down for you, honestly. Because this notion that we're not from our parents' generation, there's a whole saying during BLM, like this is not my grandparents' movement or something like that. Our grandparents opened the door for us to have the life that we have right now in 2023. Without the civil rights movement, we wouldn't be here. Therefore, we need to acknowledge that and not diss our forefathers and mothers and go back and see what they did right, humble our ourselves and try and understand if we can apply that to the current context. I think if we do this, we're bound to be more successful. But now what we're seeing is that the lack of kind of candor and respect in the social fabric of society is causing a relapse in terms of a backlash from the extreme right. And so now you're going to see the resurgence of people like Donald Trump again, because most of society is just fed up with all the different modernist like ideologies that are taking over the school system, for example. Right. And the right wingers, now the people who are extremists, these are like the Christian nationalists. These guys are coming out of the woodwork and they're going to just take it all back and they won't even be a middle ground anymore. Right. Right. Because we fail to secure a households and we're seeing this in Argentina. 
they just voted an extreme right guy into office. We're seeing this in the Netherlands. They just did the same thing. And this is just going to be a trend. And don't be surprised if in 2024, the winner of the election there has an R next to their name, conservative Republican, extreme right Republican, Christian nationalist Republican. It's going to be something out of control, right? So highly recommend that we start thinking about how we can get back to normalcy, but not to extremism. And possibly that charge can be led by women. I hope this was useful. You can hit me up on the social media platforms or in the comments until the next one. Thank you. That's the pod. Yo, yo, welcome. Welcome to the millennials podcast. My name is Meeks. You can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram. We're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today. So thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy.